So the first reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 12, starting at verse 9. You can find this in your Bibles on page 1139. Love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our second reading is to be found in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, which you can find on page 1090 of your church Bibles. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. 
for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Good morning. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the opportunity uh, to stand here and speak of your love. Help me, I pray, to not be a rector that's rambling, but that one who seeks to just bring people to Jesus. May that happen now as we open your word. Amen. 
before I begin in the Word, just to say thank you so much for last night. It was all, it's always been my hope and dream to have a kind of Cayley in this, in this particular church, and to do it during Lent, uh, and uh, to see photographs taken, which will probably go to the bishop, <laughs> but anyway, uh, to, to really enjoy that moment of dancing even in Lent, and to have the whole building filled with flowers, which are absolutely beautiful. Um, it's just been a real celebration and joy. And the thing I loved a lot last night as well was just the picture of the church, particularly in the last dance. If you weren't here, I'm really sorry, but we, Anne and I had to hold hands, and then everybody held hands. We all walked around like this and followed. And as you walked around, you saw everyone's face. And it reminded me of a word that God gave me when I first came here. I will send people one by one. And as you went around, you saw each face come into your focus one by one. And God had met every one of them. And all different faces. And then you had to go like this to Heidi because she was so low down. I'm really sorry if you're here visiting and it's a strange experience of somebody who's been here for now eight and a half years saying goodbye to a church I dearly love. I'm deeply thankful to God. I'm deeply, both Anne and I are deeply thankful for the team who are here now, particularly with Esther, with Keith and Alice, who we feel so God-given in their timing uh, at such a time as this. Esther's name fits very well. But also with Alice and Keith and with all the team of Janet and Domi and others who are here to support and to see a new beginning happen here. We are deeply thankful for that. The picture of last night as well, of a home that is full and the lights are on and the welcome is warm, is one that's been in my heart since ever coming here. This idea of inviting people in and telling them that they are created in love, they are redeemed through great sacrifice, and that one day there's going to be a party that's going to go on forever, where Christ shall call us to that party. The Lamb is on the throne, always, now. And there is something to celebrate. And I remember very well, so well in the early days, when Anne and I, before we came, asked Sandy to gather all different people together and invite them to our home for supper. And people from Snow Hill, St. Swithin's, and St. Andrew's all came into our home, all mixed up, some not even having met before. And it was such a beautiful experience of seeing people like Margaret Mansfield sat on our sofa stroking Pete Rogers' leg and Andrew's. (laughs) Margaret Mansfield was an older lady. She was a robust sister in the hospital, uh, uh, probably more than that, actually. And she said, oh, these are my toy boys. I brought my toy boys with me. And then Hilary Bolwell, who people remember, who was just like a ship in full sail. She arrived as if it was her party and that we carried her. Literally, some men had to carry her up the stairs and she held court, which was just amazing. And dear Eric Payne, sitting with Martha Stuffins and John Stuffins, a bit younger then, on both just the wisdom pouring out of him and the look on their faces simply to listen. All these things were so lovely and in a sense gave such a a feeling of what was to come, that we were inviting people into a home, into a feast of love. And in a way, a family being drawn together. And at the end of that evening... We gathered for a short service of prayer and a song, a song that was called Come Home, where it was the Father God singing to everybody, simply come home. And how that, in a sense, was the seed of what was to come in the home of grace, in the heart of the city. I want us to do two things briefly this morning. 
These are kind of thoughts, it's not so much a sermon in one sense, that, that bring me to these passages. One is looking back, and then one is looking forward. I'm so delighted that Pete and Mary were the readers this morning, because they were there at the very beginning at the interview stage where none of you were. An awesome event, frightening event, over two days where we had the joy of staying with Jenny and Malcolm and just, just being loved, loved, and beginning there. And then we were invited to the gateway downstairs into the lounge, which isn't quite looking as it was now, but, uh, and we sat, I, sat, I sat on this green sofa, quite intimidating it was, there were all these people there. And I'd had one question, which was this, how would I explain the doctrine of the atonement to a 19-year-old on the Snow Hill estate? I, I don't know who asked that, was it Pete? I don't know, anyway. But, or, and I, I just said, well, I wouldn't, I'd get somebody else to do it. And from that point on, I thought, I've really fluffed it now. And I went on to talk about how I would build teams and how we needed each other and different gifts, and I wasn't to be the answer to everything, and blah, 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 and went on and on and on. And I never answered the question, but Domi did. God knew at that point he was going to send Domi, who has simply loved people in Snow Hill, and has been able to not just explain the doctrine of the atonement, but live it. Live that forgiving love of Christ and show it to all there. But then there was another question that was asked at the very end of the interview, and it was, Simon, what is the role of a priest? Ooh, big question. And I simply remember answering that question by saying that under a star-filled sky, God spoke to me when I was 14 up in the Yorkshire Dales. And he said to me, Simon, I simply want you to tell people that I love them. That's all I want you to do. It's a simple task. But I was not only to use words, but I was to use the whole of my life to reveal the love of God to people. And that becomes more difficult because I'm deeply flawed. Deeply flawed. And yet over the years, God has shown me since 14 years old how deeply I am loved. That's why I love this passage in Romans 12. Paul, before the passage was read, the bits that are before that, talks about a body, talks about the function of the church. But then in these verses that Pete read to us, he said it's not just about what you do, it's how you do it. It is the motive that drives you. And as you read those words, as we're going to read in a moment, you begin to see an image of Christ. And he speaks of love in action, a love that needs to be seen, a love that needs to be felt in the world. A love that on this Valentine's Day isn't just expressed with chocolates and flowers, but expressed through a community that is following the descending, humbling way of love that is the way of Christ. The way that Jesus himself loved. And this love is so powerful because it transforms people. It's transformed me, and it transforms communities. And this is what I see looking back in coming here to Walcott, is a community that has been transformed and individuals that have been transformed by the love of God, love in action. Love must be sincere. Anne and I have tried to be sincere we love you deeply, 
And the opposite to that is to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. And we need to do that. In this world today, we need to be a beacon of what is good, not what is evil. To be devoted to one another in love. And you have devoted yourselves. To honor one another, to never be lacking in zeal, but to keep your spiritual further serving in the Lord. And many of you here have been such a witness, as we saw with the fun club last night, who have served God faithfully and are still here, praising Him, loving Him, still with that fervor that they want to be with the Lord. We are to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. The privilege of journeying with people who have been afflicted. We have learned from this church to be faithful in prayer. And we know that gives us hope as we leave, that the whole process will be soaked in prayer yet again as you seek a new leader. And you are to share with the Lord's people who are in need. And I have known people who have been so blessed by people in this church. We are to practice hospitality, and my word, we did that last night. But we have done it. We've opened our doors. Penny and Alistair, who helped run the project, and Penny, who came and opened the doors. Penny and I used to sit in here sometimes when there was no one in here saying, it feels wrong. We simply have to open the doors. We started the cafe with two people. We started letting people in. Gradually, one by one, they came in the cafe, sitting on a sofa with Vicky, who I then baptized a year later. Henry coming in, awed by the building, then more awed by the love of God. We are to bless those who persecute us. Sometimes it's hard to be a Christian in the world and to give blessing. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn, to live in harmony with one another. Not to be proud, not to be, but to be willing to associate with people. I look back with such thankfulness that I've seen God's love in action at St. Swithin's through you. And other people in the places you live and move and have your being have seen that love poured out through you. And I am deeply thankful. And in so many ways, it's been powerful, it's been sacrificial, and it's been beautiful to be part of seeing God's love in action in this place. And as Nicola prayed, Jesus himself didn't just talk about loving. It's not just in a book. He came and enfleshed it. He came into the world where shepherds welcomed him, the lowest of the low. And then the kings came. Everyone is welcome. And God needed to show us his love. And he still needs to do that today through you. Now looking forward. I love this passage of Jesus on the beach. It's a time when you think, what on earth is going to happen next? Jesus has been crucified. The disciples find themselves back in the place that they know that is familiar, as we all do, when we are going through uncertain times. They were confused, and they were uncertain as to what the future held. And so they returned to what they knew well, fishing. And they've been out all night, and they seems yet again to have caught nothing. And there is something in this for me. 
where without the presence of Jesus in our lives, there is an emptiness. And that may be you this morning, I don't know. You may be here and not know who Jesus is. Come back here next week. Come back and keep finding out more and more about who this person, Jesus Christ, is. Because you just keep working and working and working and find that there is no meaning. There's just an emptiness that you can't fill. The nets were empty. You just can't fill your life unless you know this person, Jesus Christ. And yet just before the dawn, when a new day is about to begin, with all its potential, it's amazing at the beginning of the day what it's going to hold. A voice is heard from the shore. Cast your nets on the other side. And as these words go out, and the disciples obediently follow what these words are saying, and we must keep listening to Jesus. We must keep listening to what he's saying, even though we may be tired, even though we may be faithful about what the future holds. We have to keep listening. But as they listen, they lower the nets and they get filled with fish. 153, so precise, the Bible's so detailed, isn't it? And they're so full, they just can't land them. And Jesus says the most wonderful thing to them. Guys who've been fishing all night, who'll be tired and cold, come and have breakfast. Jesus is so down to earth. He's so practical. And Jesus knows our need. And even though they've caught the fish, he's already got fish and bread ready for them. He knows the needs you have in Walcott now. But he will go ahead and meet them. He will meet your need of finding a new leader because that's what he does. And finally, on, the first, on this first Sunday of Lent and, of course, Valentine's Day, I want to encourage each of you in the days ahead to keep close to Jesus. Keep close to Jesus. And we learn from Peter on the beach, sat with Jesus by a charcoal fire, how easy it is to abandon Jesus, to live life as if we don't know him and all the consequences that come from that. And here, over this simple feast of breakfast, Jesus restores Peter by asking him the most challenging question of all that is so appropriate for today. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? Not until this is assured is the task given. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Love comes before the task because God so loved the world that he sent his son. God so loved, then he sent his son. Jesus has said to Anne and I, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And we are called to go and feed sheep. Of all 70 churches come to Lee Abbey throughout the year. And we are called to go and share all that we have learned from you with them. That is your gift you've given us. But we are responding to the call of Jesus 
who said to Peter, follow me. We are not leaving you. We are following him. And strangely, as the dance revealed last night, you have to take everybody by the hand. You mustn't let go. And then you just keep adding people one by one. Faye was at the end at one point. By the end, she wasn't at the end. Other people joined in. And one by one, others come. We would not leave you to go to another church. There would be no purpose or reason. We are leaving because God has called us to follow him. And we love him as much as we love you. That is why we're doing this. My first Sunday here was at St. Andrews. And on that Sunday, I scattered everybody around the school hall. And then one by one, I asked each of the people, some of you are here today, to draw near to the cross, nearer to Jesus. Keep close to Jesus. That was the focus from the beginning, and it must be the focus at the end and always. Not on me, not on Anne, but on Christ who loves us. Anne is going to read a poem that she wrote before coming to Walcott. And on that day where we gathered the church around Jesus with the cross, on that day, Muriel quoted Anne's poem back to her, not even knowing. She said the exactly the same words. God knows us, you see. God knows us. Anne's going to read. The poem's called Prelude. I'd like you to imagine... Um, the disciples in the boat having been at sea all night and having caught nothing and that we're, we're all in that boat together even though we're leaving we're, we're still all in that boat together almost silence daybreak comes with the smallest of sounds seabirds cry gentle lap of waves to shore and crackle of charcoal fire. See the bread and fish already prepared by the one who waits with love. Almost silence. Night sky becomes pale blue as oars break the water's surface. But there is heaviness in the approach that brings no joy of provision, only men enveloped by weariness. The one who waits with love calls out to them, take up your nets again and cast them on the other side. Almost silence where friends are stunned to hear the familiar words spoken at the beginning. Now once again, their tired obedience is rewarded by myriads of fish shining in dawn's light. 
Fresh energy pours into hauling nets and splashing bodies push through water with urgency to greet the one who waits with love. Almost silence. At the moment of arrival, feet on shore, after a long night at sea, fish on the charcoal fire, cold hands welcomed with warm bread, each is met and embraced by the one who waits with love. Almost silence of breath-held recognition. This is more than gathering. This is more than reunion. <laughs> this is homecoming. And in the pauses between words and laughter, there is awe. This almost silence comes as prelude to something very new. Just when you think it is all over, Something new is going to begin. That's what God does. Something new will begin for you and for us. For us, it begins on Thursday when we start work at Liabi. For you, it continues every day. <laughs> the words that Muriel shared with Anne on that morning where we gathered around the cross was, this is more than gathering. This is more than reunion. This is homecoming. I thank God that he has given us all desire and placed in our hearts this longing for home. I thank you. I thank you for helping build this home filled with his grace, filled with his love, that all who come in should find a party and a dance to join in with, filled with his spirit, with his life, that we continue to reveal the love of Christ. And we do this by being close to Jesus. Keep close to Jesus, Walcott. Keep loving people into his life. You do it so well.